This is Marco, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. To episode 164, is it, of the Yellow Wall Pod? I'm your host Stefan Butzko, as always, and I'm joined by Luca Gil. Yeah, it's just us two here today. Hey, Luca, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. What about you, Stefan? I'm I'm doing fairly well. How is is it cold in Germany right now? Really cold. It snowed today <laughs> in Berlin. It was snowy. Oh, really? Was it yeah. the first time? Yeah, first snow this year. Yeah, there's also some sort of winter mix in Philadelphia where I am right now. So I guess instead of men in blazers, this is men in coats. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half men if we count the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he's sleeping on the couch right now, but uh, you know, we never know whether Simon the I guess yellow wallpot dog now uh will roam around. So if you hear any steps That's the dog, not me. We, we tried around. to teach we tried to teach him to how to talk, so we would have better guests, but didn't work. <laughs> no, no, sadly, sadly not. Uh, but nevertheless, we are here to talk uh, about Borussia Dortmund and their games against Borussia Mönchengladbach and Real Madrid. Uh, yeah, this will be a show with two episodes this week, I guess, just because Luca and I have no idea what to say about Cologne. So. <laughs> 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 without any without we're, we're any being further too honest we're being too honest no yeah we, i i mean we just want to, we just want to provide loads of content for you guys that's why we do two shows yeah i mean maybe maybe there are enough talking points coming out of the real madrid game that uh we can have a you know yeah true. little show after afterwards uh i'm sure listeners won't mind and if they do they don't have to listen so it's it's as easy as that but um yeah let's talk about Borussia Dortmund and uh their win against Gladbach 4-1 brought them back to fifth place in the table they uh, leap, leapfrogged Cologne yes. um Luca I already warned you that I will uh introduce a new segment in this show and it's called good rotation bad rotation um because apparently rotation has been a big talking point over the last couple of weeks especially after the frankfurt match uh, because some people say it's uh not always great that Tuchel rotates a lot because it takes away the automatism of the team while others argue that uh rotation isn't necessarily part of the problem but just rather the ideas Tuchel has in the games um luca Tuchel made a couple of changes yet again. Uh, we saw a back three with Batra, Ginter and Socrates. Then uh, we had Schmelzer and Piszczek as wingbacks. Um, in the middle, it was Nuri Shahin and Gonzalo Castro, if I'm not mistaken. And a yes. front, front three with uh, Marco Reus, Usman Dembele and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So a 3-4-3 system, if you want to call it that. And, uh, yeah, the likes of Adrian Ramos and Sebastian Rode weren't even in the squad. So, um, before we really get into this, general thoughts on, on this setup? Um, 
I would like to think that Tuchel just listened to me what I wrote in the article. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, yeah, I think it, it is a good idea because one, it gives you stability in the back and uh, two, it helps in the build-up and it allows centre-backs like Bartra and Ginter who, who can be good at just uh, dribbling up front and making a run and then a great pass. Um, and they have most more security, more of a safety net behind them when they do that. And uh, I like that idea a lot. And yeah, it, it, it's also good because Socrates, uh, we all know, loves to chase people all over the pitch. And <laughs> if he does that from a three at the back, there are still two defenders. So it's not as bad. Yeah, to to uh describe your idea you actually wrote down is that um with more center backs it would give the likes of Batra also the option to roam forward to uh have another option in the build up because there are evidently always a lot of holes between the the back line the midfield and the attacking midfield so to speak and uh you know making these connection connections without Ilka Gunuan and Mats Hummels is obviously not easy for Dortmund this season and uh, having a centre-back room forward to to break through the lines might help. So I, I, I think we, we actually saw that a couple of times, um, especially in the pressing moment is uh, that we saw Mark Patra mm. yeah. uh, first and foremost very high up the pitch at some point he acted as a striker and you know that he was a left midfielder in he the let, first he, half he let a counter-attack get together with Aubameyang once I think yeah and I was I was really disappointed <laughs> in Aubameyang that he didn't play the pass I mean yeah and and I think the first chance for Dortmund was uh, resulted from Ginter pressing someone uh, 30 meters into the half of the opponent and then just Uh, going forward and playing a through ball to Aubameyang who uh, wanted to square it but nobody was in the middle that was uh, the first chance of the game as well so yeah I wasn't sure didn't, didn't that originate from a long ball from Muri Shai where I was like hmm, a precise vertical ball haven't seen that in a long time I, he had some of those but I think it was Ginter pressing someone really high. at least Ginter was was uh, in front of the box of the yeah, opponent. Then, then, then we might talk about different situations because it might be also Schmelzer who chested down the ball. It was a long ball from Shine and then uh, Schmelzer or someone chested down the ball and then played it in for Royce. Something like that. First chance. But um, yeah, the first chance for Gladbach. Uh, we were talking about Marc Batra. Luca, you might do that just now again. Yeah, right after I, I tweeted that the I liked the defensive intensity better. Dortmund said, oh, we're going to teach you a lesson and concede a goal. So, great job. Um, yeah, they Gladbach had a throw-in and then uh, Mahmoud Dahoud uh, in, uh, kind of solved pro a problem for them in the middle and played the ball out wide, uh, played the ball past uh, quite a few Dortmund defenders, so they were all taken out of the game. Oscar Wendt then brought in uh, a cross and Bartra, yeah, did what you what you aren't supposed to do you, you aren't very unintense header <laughs> yeah you, you aren't you aren't supposed to clear it uh, to the middle right they always say uh, headed back to where the ball came from basically yeah and headed he back didn't to vent. headed back to vent yeah and yeah he, he didn't quite do that it fell to to Raphael, one of the best players of Gladbach and uh, he he scored and it was another I mean I'm not a goalkeeper expert and <laughs> And I wouldn't. I mean, I would. I wouldn't blame Weinfelder for this. And I <laughs> but <wouldn't, laughs> exactly, the but is coming. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's 
at fault or I mean Barter is more at fault for this goal and even a few other guys but I can't shake the feeling that maybe some other goalkeeper would have done something about that goal just the positioning was weird and then the the jump looked kind of I don't know like a like a tired frog <laughs> and <laughs> what like, like a really tired frog he jumped like a tired frog and then <laughs> and yeah I'm not sure. I'm uh, like I said. I'm not a goalkeeper expert, so maybe I'm wrong. But it just looked a bit, bit odd and a bit, yeah. Well, the thing about Weidenfeller is <laughs> that he never really was good at dealing with shots from distance, and especially those kinds of shots where he has to stretch out fully and get down on the ground as quickly as possible. You know, he was never good at at, at covering this kind of yeah. kind of shot, and we saw it against Frankfurt the shot from Harris Seferu which probably wasn't that much different yeah that would that would I think that one was easier to save than the Gladbach one yeah that's true but uh yeah. you know if you, if you look at the replay that that shows uh, you the angle f from behind Raphael you see that there was still a lot of space between the post and and Weidenfeller meaning that uh, he probably could have saved it although I agree uh, you know it's not as likely as as uh, you know the the goal he considered against Gladbach but nevertheless uh, Frankfurt yeah. you mean yeah against yeah, Frankfurt yeah, yes yeah. but nevertheless uh, yeah Weidenfeller could have should have done better um, there was another shaky moment um, in the corner situation I think where Weidenfeller didn't really get to the ball although but he should have. I thought that was a foul, to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah, probably, probably it was. The guy totally jumped into his arms, so not much he can do there. No, but but you know, another moment where a Weidenfeller back in his day, he would have just <laughs> knocked <laughs> out the guy. He yeah, knocked, knocked out, punched him, punched him away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I I think I, I wrote for ESPN. Other than that, there wasn't really much of a chance for Weidenfeller to redeem himself because. After the six minute Gladbach uh, yeah, already had all their offensive potential used. Yeah, they, they stopped playing football basically. Yeah, basically. And uh how many seconds after the kickoff? I think it was sixteen seconds until the ball was in the net. Yeah, it could be the case. A weird uh, way of uh yeah, history not repeating but kind of changing around after the Frankfurt match and conceding twice after the kickoff, now scoring after the kickoff, which is much nicer. Yeah, a bit of opposite day for Dortmund. Um, Lars Polman wrote on Bleacher Report that it was a simple long ball to Royce, uh, who then flicked it on to Aubameyang, and Lars, I'm appalled. That wasn't so simple. That wasn't so simple what Dembele did there, uh, Luca. <laughs> yeah, Dembele, I mean, I, I think we will talk about him later because he was he was great. Uh, yeah, he played a nice ball to, to Royce, one of many, and uh, Royce... I mean, it looked intentional. I'm not sure if he if he wanted to do it quite like that, but uh, yeah, put it on for Aubameyang on a plate, and he just half volleyed it home. And yeah, if he if he criticized Weidenfeller for not uh, mm -hmm. saving the first shot, you have to save that shot when you if you're Jan Sommer. Yeah, I think Andre Schubert said, put it this way. He said it was savable. <laughs> yeah, he said on a good day he would he would uh, keep it out. And yeah, apparently I, it wasn't a good day, though. No, I would say even on an average day, he would keep it up. But, yeah. Yeah. Good for us. I mean, it was a good thumb from Aubameyang, yeah. uh, which was good. And Marco Reus talked about it after the match that uh, there's a general understanding between him and Aubameyang because they played for such a long time together, which I will now 
call long-term automatism. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, I think you, you could see it quite well in, in, in this game that there is a general understanding, even though it's obviously not fine-tuned yet. Yeah, I have, I have this, I think we will talk about this later in the or is are we still in the good rotation bad rotation segment or is this yeah yeah that, that, that's the entire show <laughs> okay um yeah i think what what people um tend to overlook is that royce was in training for like uh, how long a month or so maybe yeah almost yeah or even even a bit longer maybe six weeks i mean yeah. if we count the the injury against bayern yeah i mean he trained case. briefly afterwards and um I mean, of course, a game is something different, but this this chemistry and the the automatisms you like to call them, most of them you build up in training, um, and that's why I didn't think rotation was that much of an issue. I mean, I I agree that changing eight people around can be a problem, but I just didn't see it that way in that week because it was the league match and that counted for nothing basically, and we played a similar team against Bayern and against uh, Frankfurt, so. I didn't see the argument there, but I can see why people would think that changing eight people around is too much, but um, players shouldn't be overwhelmed when a coach is changing the system. I mean, Julian Nagelsmann, for example, the coach of Hof Hoffenheim, often changes the system in-game, and you can't really say that their players are that much better than Dortmunds, <laughs> I wouldn't say. Uh, How more, arrogant more, of you. <laughs> more the other way around. Um Because if I say the same about Guardiola, people will say, oh, but he has those all those amazing players. Um, no, but uh, the players of Nagelsmann are actually praising him every chance they get for changing the system and be so versatile, right? So they can adjust to every opponent. And I think players like that. And I mean, they've played football their entire lives. They know what their role is in a 4-4-2. They know what their role is in a 3-4-3. They just know because it's not like Aubameyang is playing a centre-back now. You know? No, also <laughs> also players these days, especially young players, enjoy a whole different footballing education than, let's say, five years ago. And Dortmund happened to have a lot of young players. Yeah, exactly. And when you look at Dortmund youth teams and watch a game, it sometimes happened that Passlack played like four positions in a game. Yeah. And that's they're, they're used to that. They know how they're... I mean, uh, one, one guy on Twitter... Um, I think his name is Tobias Günther, uh, wrote uh, something that he said, uh, if journalists are overwhelmed with what is happening on the pitch, they tend to think players must be overwhelmed as well. So basically, they put their own uh, mindset into what the players are thinking. But the players are playing just, they're playing football their entire lives. They won't be overwhelmed that quickly. And I, I personally didn't have the, uh, yeah, I didn't think they looked overwhelmed in any of those games. Just... You can you can definitely talk about some decisions Tuchel made, like putting Ramos on the wing, wing. Although there was a pl plan behind it, but it just didn't work out. But hence, hence bad decision. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, rotation in general uh, is just needed because of uh, just the, the strain on the players. I mean, we saw it in the beginning of the season when when players were got injured when they had to play lot, lots of games, and we saw it under Klopp in the last years. He didn't rotate as much and. I mean, look at the injuries we had in those seasons. Yeah, especially, you know, if we talk about gelling and automatism, you know, it's always best if you are versatile in football and rotating a lot in the long term means players just gel with a lot of different players. Meaning if you make a change, you know, at some point it won't be all new to every player on the field. So it'll yeah. work out in the long run anyway. 
And I mean, I, I agree that in in defense it can be. Um, I mean, I, not, I don't not have totally, any, especially in the goalkeeper yeah, position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, in defense, I don't have I don't have data to prove or disprove uh, of it, but I would think in defense uh, the same personnel might be more uh, of a help than in offense because offensively you just have you can change around a bit, but defensively that it's so difficult to you know keep on the same line understand when somebody is uh, pushing up front when you have to stay behind and all that stuff although i mean they they in in training they train with a lot of different players so it should be okay but i think in defense it might they might the people who don't like rotation in defense might have a point i can't disprove and can't prove it yeah no i i agree with you that you think that they might have a point because i think they do have a point <laughs> we, we saw it often enough uh on on the pitch uh that new formations in the in the back line yeah. caused trouble just because there were so many misunderstandings in positioning and uh, which defender is to track which attacker and so on yeah. and so forth because you know reading the game isn't exactly easy for a defender you know because you have always to weigh all the options of of the guy with the ball and uh, have in mind who else makes a run and uh, where the run could lead could he run into a danger area or into yeah. a space where he's not dangerous and you know, according to that, you have to position yourself. So that's not easy. Um, and uh, we already talked about overwhelmed. And uh, <laughs> before we are overwhelmed uh, and talk about all the nice goals that happened, and I mean, there there's a lot of things to talk about. We might, sh we might put out a little disclaimer. Gladbach didn't exactly press Dortmund. And Luca, you highlighted perfectly that Dortmund are very susceptible to pressing and if a team doesn't do that it, it means more or less a field day for Dortmund can you elaborate yeah I mean Gladbach they kind of played in intervals I would say um, they had some periods especially after the halftime uh, Schubert also said it in the post game interview that um, he basically told his team to press higher after the halftime and Dortmund did struggle there and in the first minutes they had, they had some Uh, parts of in some parts of the game they pressed a bit higher but mostly they just sat deep and it it's a big help for Dortmund especially when they're without Guerrero they just don't have anyone who can really link up between midfield and the attack and Castro isn't great when he has his back towards the goal um, of the opponent and that's that that's what happens when you when you get pressed mostly because an, a center back will play a pass to you and you uh, obviously this, the, the midfielder has his back to goal so he can receive the pass but when somebody presses him and runs really hard um, like leipzig did for example it, it, when you watch a leipzig game it's pretty interesting because they always run at full speed at someone who has his back to goal it's like a sprint uh To, towards the ball so they won't be able to turn and that's where when Castro struggles for example and uh, Gladbach basically it had maybe it had something to do with Dortmund's new shape and build up with the three at the back so that um, made it easier for Bartra and Ginter they obviously always had his their head uh, uh, towards the, the goal of Gladbach so they could play forward passes but also they let uh, Weigel turn when he came on they let Shahin turn they let Castro turn so they had forward passes. It wasn't amazing yet because I I still don't think Castro is a great link-up player, um, which is the one downside to this formation, I would say, because 
you have Weigel who is good for this position, but you have Castro who doesn't really fit. You can't. Re I mean, you can play Götze there, but it's also not his best position. So you don't really have a second guy there when Guerrero isn't fit. And Götze is one of the best players, so you want him in the team. So that's maybe the one downside to this formation because it doesn't really fit in there. I would say, or not. Not it's not his best position at least. Well, tell you what, best position, best. Pishmission doesn't really matter if you have Royce, Aubameyang and Dembele up top <laughs> and they do their magic as they did. I think Götze might actually be a very available option for this position because he might not be as needed yeah, that's up, true. up top as, as uh, you know, this game showed. So again, not sh we shouldn't get ahead our, of ourselves because Gladbach were indeed very passive over most uh, stints. But nevertheless... Uh, Go ahead, goal. Uh, it was the 15th minute. Yeah. Well, um, that time, yeah. Lukas Piszczek. Goal gave Lukas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> his, his, his third goal of, of this Bundesliga season already. And, um, you know, he is on level with Usman Dembele. Second best his, goal scorer for Dortmund, right? Yeah. Behind Aubameyang, which, which is amazing. What kind, what a massive gap that is. You know, Aubameyang now 15 goals and then. Aubameyang has like a million and then everyone else has. Nothing, basically. He's greedy, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah, a bit. <laughs> We won't complain yet. Um, Pischek, more or less a lucky goal because Mark Batra tried to score himself to redeem himself he, from the error, but he uh, totally meant to pass that up. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> no, yeah, but yeah, a lucky goal. But the the corners were really good that day. Yeah, I was gonna say not sad pieces anymore, but set pieces now. No. Looked like they worked on that during the off week. Yeah, what a off week can do, right? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they shouldn't play in the Champions League. so No, it's only Real Madrid who cares. Yeah, and exactly. We play them every year anyway. So, I know, but um, yeah, what also improved during the game, I would say, and that's more notable than the, the corners, is the what I what I mentioned earlier, the defensive intensity and the pressing was much, much better. And the counter pressing was amazing from the front three especially. I mean when they lost the ball and you have Royce Dembele and Ubermeyang hunting the ball with full speed over basically ninety minutes, that's not easy to defend, I would say, or not easy to play out against. And that was really fun to watch. It was. And if I may say, uh Marco Royce, we can lot him for all his nice skills later on but he is always so important in counter pressing i mean he really internalized the the whole counter pressing concept of jürgen klopp and he was never too proud or, or too arrogant to just stay ahead but you know loss of the ball and you know it just takes a millisecond for royce to to run backwards or, or to to start pressing and I think it's it's very important that he is back in, in that regard because I think it's not only the player that, that presses, but also the name, meaning if it's a big difference if Marco Royce presses you or someone else, because I think that, that uh, pressing is all about psychology, right? You know, it's it's trying to give the opponent, you know, a feeling of I have to play the ball quickly, you know, make force him to make a bad decision, basically. And if it's Royce and, you know, if you lose the ball against Royce, he's going to score on me. Like, you know, the likeliness is way higher. Uh, that helps. So it's good to have him back just just for the sake of Royce being Royce. Yeah, I, I don't think you know who presses you, but I get what you mean. Like when Royce is on the pitch, uh, you're just always 
wary of him and you always know if you if you're going to lose the ball they have and also Dembele I mean the Bundesliga knows about him by now <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Aubameyang as well you know when you lose the ball against those guys that's not fun and uh, I want to applaud Dembele for his defensive improvement that's incredible to watch I mean <laughs> yeah standing ovation um, I'm sitting but okay <laughs> a sitting ovation um no but he's 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 gotten so much better at just not being angry about himself when he loses the ball although he didn't lose much of the ball against Gladbach now but he just like you said like Royce he just tracks back or hunts the ball down and does it with great intensity and that's what I really liked about this game I mean Gladbach were awful and like they tend to be away from home so we shouldn't read too much into it but those things are basically don't rely on the opponent they're just there or they aren't there and the intensity was there in this game well Thomas Tuchel um, really praised Dembele uh, thanks to Archer Tut who was there and asked him the him the question and what Tuchel Praised him for is that Dembele was very careful with the ball in, in possession and didn't dribble when it was inappropriate. That's what Tuchel said. Um, and I thought, hmm, let's look that up and, and see whether, uh, his tech, tech ons improved. And it actually did. You know, Dembele averages a tech on success of 49% in the Bundesliga. Against Gladbach, it was 77%. Which is amazing, seventy-seven point eight yeah. to be to be exact, and and basically underlines that then that Dembele has been working on his decision making, and I think that's the biggest key in his development process, you know, because he has all this talent, but now it's about decision making for him, you know, when to dribble, when not to dribble, when to pass, and uh, we we saw it against Gladbach, all right, he wasn't really pressed a lot, but but still, you know, there is a positive process and Tuchel said it himself it was a big step for him and uh yeah that is really really positive and uh had the team so Luca you now have the honor to talk about the synergy between Royce and Dembele because they have <laughs> had so many good interchanges it was amazing yeah good players tend to play well together don't they like wow <laughs> That's all the insight. Shocking you, revelation from Luca Gier here. That's all the insight you're used to on the yellow wallboard. <laughs> no, but um, it helped them that uh, Piszczek and Schmelzer basically stayed wide and uh, made the pitch wide for Dortmund, so they could play in the half spaces. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure if everyone like for new listeners who don't listen to Constantine every week. <laughs> the, the half spaces are basically the space. Uh, between the middle and the the wing, basically. So sort of the, yeah, the space basically where Royce and Dembele played all game, and those are those are particularly dangerous for for opposing team because you can you have so many options to pass the ball. You can pass it outside. You can pass it into the middle. You basically have the entire space open for you, and those two just work great in there. And yeah, it's I mean when you get S easy pass opponent as Dembele does it just looks effortless for him a lot of things come easy and when your decision making improves like you said that's yeah he's one hell of a player when he has when he's good when he has a good day regarding his decision making I think my favorite pass from Dembele was uh when when he played in in Royce in the way that yeah. Royce made a run into the box and and, and uh, had a shot just yeah. blocked by yeah. what was it Christensen 
Yeah, or FVD. could could be. I'm not sure. One of the defenders. could could have been also also Kramer. You know. Yeah, I think it was not one of the defenders, but yeah, one Gladbach guy. <laughs> <laughs> that that was an amazing forward pass because you could yeah. just see uh, all the skill, you know, all the all the um, intelligence in Dembele's passing. It was perfectly weighed, but it was also so hard to spot that you have to put the ball just where, where Royce is going. And, and uh, yeah, you can also, I think that's where you can see best the understanding between those players. That basically summed up some of the game Gladbach played though, because he just stood still in the middle of the pitch and nobody <laughs> was around him. Like he had 10 meters of space, just stood there and was like, oh, is nobody going to attack me? Okay, I'm going to play Royce through. So, yeah. Uh, Gladbach were awful. We 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 couldn't. You can't say that enough. Um, but yeah, that was a great ball and weighed perfectly. I mean, he had some off days passing, but that that wasn't the case this day. Yeah, Royce and Aubameyang also uh, had a couple of good opportunities in the second half before Dortmund scored their third goal. Both efforts were were blocked in the end by uh, heroic runs of Gladbach defenders. <laughs> I think it it was Elvedi twice. Yeah, could um, be the case. But what we saw is uh, that that there is a lot of transition play potential for both Royce and and Dembele and and Aubameyang, which doesn't come by surprise. But it was actually the first not time really, all three no. started yeah. a game, if I'm not mistaken. Or did they all three also start against Legia? Um, I don't think they all did. I don't think Aubameyang started against Legia. So that was good to see that at Gladbach when they pushed forward and that. That is often a, a problem from Dortmund this season. Last season, I think as well, is that when they when they drop back and <laughs> try to to succumb a bit of pressure and hit their opponent on a counter, they would have beautiful counter attacks or opportunities, but just wouldn't play those attacks perfectly until the end. And that was very frustrating, especially if you know you can win it on the counter and put the game to bed, but you just don't, and thus invite just more and more pressure. Um, again, Dortmund didn't finish their counterattacks, <laughs> but at some, at some point they did. At some point they did, but what I, what I'm here to say is that it looked way better than ever before. In I don't know how long might obviously have to do with the fact that Gladbach sucked. I mean, we 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 can't say it often enough, no. but uh, that was encouraging. It looked good against Wolfsburg this season, where basically could have ended five five and they won five one and. They had counterattacks really finished Wolfsburg off at some point. Um, but I agree that when you have players like Aubameyang, Dembele and Royce up front, uh, yeah, that's just for an opposing team, that's not fun to defend on the counter. And we saw Dembele just running past people for fun. And uh, the same goes for the other guys. And then you have guys like Schürrle, Pulisic on the bench who are also not fun to defend on the counter. So um, it's it definitely seems like Tuchel put emphasis on having some players who are better on the counter, maybe for the big games, um, like we see, we saw against Bayern, for example. And yeah, he he overlooked some some uh, squad uh, members, maybe or some new additions in midfield. But now we have great counter players at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that. So all you have to do is go ahead and sit back, and then then it will be fine. <laughs> great plan. <laughs> <laughs> Too just bad that one always concede first. Yeah, and too bad that won't work because teams just expect Dortmund to have the ball. And if Dortmund sits back, they they'll just sit. Back. Maybe they'll they won't even really attack, but just punt the ball forward. 
Semantics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, let's let's uh, segue to Dortmund's third goal because that was also very sexy with uh, Reus nutmegging Christoph Kramer. That was a really brilliant move. And then he I think played it. Was, uh, wasn't it Elvedi? I think Elvedi made the mistake of, of taking the ball down and then he got nutmegged to make matters worse. Uh, I'm fairly... I'm, I, oh, I, I'm, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm fairly sure it was Elvedi who took the ball down because Schubert said after the press in the press conference that he played great the last few weeks or, or the entire season basically, but made the costly mistake today. Well, in my defense, uh, the TV I watched it on wasn't really the sharpest. <laughs> and, so. and Kramer likes to help Dortmund usually, so yeah, okay. he, he does. It. I, I watched the game in, in, in standard definition, so. You know, if, if my memory isn't 100% right, I'm sorry. But nevertheless, it was Royce not making a player and then playing it to Dembele. I would, I wanted to say it also fits uh, that we're talking about Christoph Kramer and then your memory isn't perfectly fine. Yeah, although I wasn't concussed. Yeah. I'm just blind. Nah, it could have, could have been your excuse. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't a World Cup final, so. Yeah, not yet. We yeah, don't. but uh, Dembele scored, Luca. Uh, Is that a goal we can see maybe 10 or 20 times throughout his career in Dortmund? If he stays that long, for sure. yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> or maybe he just scores <laughs> a lot of goals that way. Yeah, that's sure. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, I think he was the quickest player to ever score 10 goals in the league, huh? wasn't he? Yeah. Um, quicker than Henri, for example. So, I mean, he can score goals. And I think he, he maybe there was his breakout party like, like last set. And maybe more goals are to come. I mean, he's got quite he, he scored before, um, but I I would expect him to score quite a few goals just because he gets in scoring positions easily, or <laughs> or com, uh, compared to other players at least, it just looks so effortless. I, I can't get over the fact how he just cruises past players, and there was the case for the for the fourth goal as well. Yeah, definitely. He just uh, put it on his left foot, and everyone thought. He would shoot him was like, nope. <laughs> Turn around and thumped it home with his right foot. Meanwhile, uh, the Gladbach defenders were all going the other way. It's just amazing how effective his body feints are. His fake it? shot works every time. Every, every time. Every single time. I mean, I don't know how he does it. I, 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 I once said on when we were playing football on the weekends, I, I was I said, I want to play against Dembele once because I want to see how effective his shot fake is and if, if defenders aren't just that dumb. But I mean, they are Bundesliga defenders and they all fall for it. And even in the Champions League, people, Real Madrid players all fell for it. So it must be pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean... Dortmund players often say that in training when Dembele is on his on his day, there's just no chance you can stop him really. So, you know, yeah, good, yeah, Master, good scouting. Master Schmelzer said it's no fun at all to play against more Dembele in training. Yeah. And uh, what also wasn't really fun for the Gladbach defense was Dortmund's fourth goal uh, with, with Dembele once again picking up his third pre-assist of the game. Playing in Royce, who wanted to shoot himself, but said he didn't perfectly place the ball for himself. So, you know, if if shooting is not the option, you know, just play it back here. Play it play back here to Romeo, as always. No big deal. It's a, it's a good plan. It is. Should do, it should, do that more, should do that more often. Should, so, should, should have a heavy touch more often. <laughs> so so with, with all goals in mind now, uh, which one was the prettiest for you? The last one, definitely, I think, yeah just the way i mean 
Dembele basically walks past Kramer, who's a great uh, athlete and great defender, has a great stamina, and yeah, he had no way of stopping Dembele, and he played a nice pass to Royce, and yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> see, see, here's the thing. He actually had a way of stopping Dembele, maybe not legally, but that's a statistic I wanted to mention in uh, how shockingly bad Gladbach are, because mm. they only uh, managed... <laughs> managed they only uh, conceded eight fouls and uh i mean Tuchel often ranted about 20 yeah. fouls being way too much but uh, when he did rant it was because he lost and teams fault him because it was damn if effective against dortmund and gladbach were just too tame in, in that regard yeah maybe Dortmund were too fast they just couldn't kick them <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, i'm pretty sure they could have kicked them yeah yeah but yeah i don't think gladbach are that kind of a team uh unlike some of the other teams who did it. So maybe it's just that. But they also looked, after the 3-1, they just looked demoralized and basically stopped playing once and for all. And in the end, to make to uh, add insult to injury, uh, Christian Pulisic just used them as, I don't know, uh, yeah, traffic coins to run past them. That was coins? Really traffic coins. Uh, <laughs> What what's the word? Cones. Cones. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, I'm just thinking of him as Super Mario collecting all the coins while running <laughs> forward. Yeah, he, sh he should eat, eat a mushroom. Maybe he'll grow. No, he should. <laughs> it, it's good. It's good that he has like a low center of gravity. So, of gravity. Yeah, I I like I like the phrase he was plowing through the Gladbach defense <laughs> because he just ran forward and. Unlike uh, unlike then unlike Dembele, he doesn't really have a lot of body shifts. He just he just runs forward and and slaloms with the ball. Yeah, he slaloms a little. Yeah, he did that Which, in the end. And I have no idea how he got past a few of those players. That was fun to watch. He he, he was quick. That's that's yeah. the uh, key ingredient here, I think. Mm. And Gladbach were tired and demoralized after their what was it six game in a row where they didn't win. Yeah, could be the case. I mean, if you only collect one point on the road and you are three, four, one down against Dortmund, you just know it's over. Especially after leading and then falling back, that that's a tough blow for your mind. Yeah. So, Luca, um, any general points you want to make on this game? Any takeaways? I would say after the Frankfurt game, not everything was bad, and after this game, not everything is great. But this team is going to have up and downs. And the ups are incredibly fun and the downs are incredibly not fun. So <laughs> that's my take on this Dortmund season. Really sad uh, for Nuri Schein, obviously, to get a knock on his knee. Um, yeah, Thomas Tuchel said that uh, they plan to play him. Probably would have already done so in a Frankfurt match if it wasn't so soon after the Legia match where Schein played. I don't know, was it a full 90 minutes? But uh, at I least he like, said it in, in yeah. the... Like 70 minutes or so. So, yeah, Shaheen still ailing with a knee injury throughout the entire season, apparently. At least it sounded like that, that he always has, you know, niggly problems with that. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a blow for him, but I think we can be positive about the fact that Shaheen seems to be back on, on the radar. Yeah, Tuchel said after the game that, I mean, He was eager to point out that he never trained badly, but he said in the last few weeks he changed his mindset again and was just there, basically. He was he wanted to play and he was fully there and was eager to play. So that was 
pretty a pretty good sign for Shine, but yeah, the injury is bad and I mean it's only two weeks, but still a tough blow for him obviously. Hope he gets well soon and gets um well fully and recovers fully. But also for the team, he's a way better choice as backup for Weigel in order, for example. Yeah, I concur. <laughs> Unsurprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Mirino could be an option, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, but uh I think that with Shine, you know, pushing back into the team and Tuchel letting him kind of puts an end to the myth that Tuchel exercises favoritism. Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, uh, there was talk about Tuchel not talking to Shine, and that might be the case because it's just maybe it's not the way people think it is because a coach doesn't have time to talk with all of his players. It was the same with Klopp. Klopp, I know firsthand that Klopp didn't talk to some of the squad or fringe players and simply put Nuri Shine is one of those fringe players and uh yeah you, you don't have time to talk to all of your players um face to face basically. So that's just the way it is in football and Turo I think he has lots of stuff to do. So yeah. Yeah. Alright, so Dortmund now fifth uh play in Cologne next. Um do you think this will be another low for Dortmund after after the up? I mean, Cologne is always tough. Uh, we lost especially last for Dortmund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we lost their last season, I think. And um, Stuger is one of the better coaches in the league, and they are just great defensively, rock solid. Concede really, really few chances and goals, so that's always going to be tough. Um, I don't want to say it'll be another low, but it, it may well be. I, I feel there is something on the horizon, but obviously we will talk about that in the next episode. And I will uh, hopefully invite a guest who can maybe talk a little bit more about Cologne. So Luca and I will now take a small break. And after that, we will preview the match against Real Madrid in the Champions League. And we are back. Borussia Dortmund against Real Madrid. Borussia Dortmund top in the group of Group F in the Champions League. They travel to the Bernabeu on Wednesday evening. And uh, a draw will suffice for them to top the group as they sit two points clear of Real Madrid as it stands. So, Luca, we briefly talked about the match in Cologne. Um, with that in mind, how important is it for Dortmund to go in this game all in? Or maybe not. <laughs> um, yeah, the the players that are playing should go all in, obviously, because it's an away game, away game against Real Madrid in the Champions League, and you can be sure that the players are going to be really motivated and want to win there. But I think he'll rest some guys. I don't think Royce will, will start another game. I would be surprised if he did. Same um, here. And yeah, maybe Dembele played loads this season, so. Maybe it would be it would be good to give him a break as well, and play maybe Schürrle and Pulisic or something like that. Yeah, Schürrle Pulisic yeah. gets a good front yeah. three. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and yeah, I, I'm curious if he keeps the system, the three at the back, because against Real maybe it could be. I'm not sure if if it'll 
if it'll work out as well. But we'll see. Um, but I think definitely think. I mean, the players that are playing, we don't know who it'll be, how much he'll rotate, because they're already through. And while it makes some difference coming first and second, it's not the end of a season. And a win against Cologne will would be huge for the season. Obviously, winning in Cologne is much more important right now. Um, that's a, that's a bit of a dilemma though, because in a general take of Borussia Dortmund and looking really at the bigger picture, it's really vital for them to perform well in the Champions League because this is how you create international attention and this is how how you grow as a club. You know, because you have to be the brand Borussia Dortmund and ascent because all the other all the other clubs around you that play you know in, in the big league they have so much more money so Dortmund really must make up and 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 still grow I mean Dortmund are a big club but they're not a, one of the biggest clubs in the world yet so there's still so much to do for them to grow and obviously at least reaching the quarterfinal of the Champions League is vital for them so we can't just go and say, oh, beating Cologne is so much more important. Yeah, it may be for this Bundesliga season, but in the, in the general picture, it actually might not be. So, you know. Well, well, you have to get back to the Champions League and there, <laughs> know, therefore, therefore it's pretty important to beat Cologne. So, but I, I think even if they draw against Cologne, Dortmund over the course of a season should have enough quality and, and consistency to eventually get there. Yeah, you but, would, you would think so, but it's always tough. It's always tough, exactly. And Dortmund, again, also cannot afford to miss out on the Champions League. So, as I said before, it's a dilemma. Now, uh, Ronaldo is obviously fit. Uh, Gareth Bale isn't, but... Uh, I think Ronaldo uh, wasn't training with the squad today. No, but uh, IS wrote that uh, he has no problems. He just wasn't feeling okay. like going outside, maybe, because of football. Because, he, I don't because know. he's Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, he, he does whatever Cristiano... Ronaldo does. Yeah. Uh, Alvaro Morata is back though. And that grand. <laughs> Amazing. I'm, ex- yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> not, yeah, like ben- as- not like Benzema is a bad striker. No, no. <laughs> I mean, heard it here first, but can't you wait for the Aubameyang Alvaro Morata switch? It's going to be a huge yeah. transfer switch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Where's, where's, where's Aubameyang going before, before that happens? To which club? Uh, moving no, on. Keep on. <laughs> All right. The the point I I can make and and you probably can too is uh, that by Wednesday Dortmund more or less know for sure uh, which teams finish where and um, for for Real Madrid not winning might be even more beneficial than than winning this game because that way they would avoid Bayern Munich and Man City who both are bound to finish second already. And since uh, Atletico Madrid and Barcelona won't play against them in the round of 16, uh, they only would have quote unquote easier draws. PSG and Arsenal could, could still go some way or another, although I expect PSG to, to finish first. And there's still, you know, a decider between Neapel and Lisbon in, in group B and in, uh, group, group E. It's, it's, uh, Monaco they could draw and Leicester and, Maybe Juventus, but those aren't really teams that frighten Real Madrid as much as Man City and Bayern would. Yeah, and I can't wait for us to finish first and then draw Man City. Yeah, that's how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then at least Tuchel is going to see Guardiola again, so he's happy. 
Yeah, will be outcoached by Guardiola and uh, outplayed by Gunnar. Ain't yeah. that grand? Yeah, <laughs> haven't, haven't seen that for too long. <laughs> you actually, At least never it, saw that. But the first, the first part, I mean. Yeah, to be yeah, outcoached. So far, looking at at the at the sure draws, there's actually only Porto Dortmund could play right now. Uh, from from the teams, if if they finish first, that that are bound to finish second. Um, so. That's that. I mean, Bayer Leverkusen also already, and, and Bayern München also both second. But uh, Dortmund can play against them because they're from the same team. So it's either Porto or Man City. From the same country, you mean? Although that's debatable with Bayern. Uh, from, yeah, <laughs> from, from the same country. <laughs> what I found interesting is what Tuchel said about Bayern before playing Bayern. And he said that Bayern resemble more Real Madrid in, in the in their approach than uh, Guardiola's Barcelona. Actually, he only named the Madrid part, but that this is what, what it was uh, referring to, the change at Bayern. Mm. Um, going by those words, um, do you expect to, for Tuchel to choose a similar approach as he chose against Bayern? Yeah, it's also interesting because we're playing away. Um, Bayern we played at home, but didn't have all those players back. But I would I would expect... At least a similar approach. I mean, Real have even more emphasis on their wing play, I would say. Um, and uh, it might make sense to retract a bit and double uh, the wings and maybe, uh, yeah, try to hit them on the counter attack. So, so for that, it would make sense to have a similar strategy. I'm not sure about the formation, but at least the strategy could be similar. Um, one thing I'm not quite sure about is if he. I mean, he likes to have possession as well. And when we saw it in the home game against Real Madrid, Dortmund were best when they really had possession. And they had some great passing combinations in the middle, built up some triangles and had some really good flow to the game. And that's where they looked the best, I would say, in that game. So, yeah. They also had Guerrero in that game. That's true, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. But he played on the (laughs) wing, but he played on the wing and didn't look that good in that game. Yeah, that, so. that's also true. But um, yeah, I, I like the point because this is a really interesting discussion about the whole approach because on the one hand, you know, you look bad as, at having possession. On the other hand, Real Madrid might change their approach, meaning in the home game, Real Madrid pre- played rather passive for Real yeah. Madrid. You know, yeah. they they were very comfortable in sitting back and pouncing on the corner themselves. So if they exude more pressure which they did at some point at the game and Dortmund started to struggle then. Uh, you know, if they exude more pressure now in the second leg, Dortmund might not be well advised to play the same approach because they play a different op- opponent, basically. Yeah, yeah it's a really interesting uh, thought. It's tough to know. I, I would say I would definitely assume that Real Madrid changed their approach and they also have gotten better results lately than they have before they played us in the first leg. So probably more confidence there. Um, after just equalizing in the last minute in, against Barcelona as well. Yeah, if they do that against Dortmund, it will be fine too. Yeah, we can live for the draw. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just, it, yeah. It's either. Uh, I mean, we po- we'll probably see once the lineup is out, basically what he opted for. If if it's more counter-attacking players, or if we see a lot of players who are great in possession, although there aren't that many fit right now. Uh, so maybe just from the players he has fit. Right now, a counter-tracking approach would probably make more sense. 
So we, I guess, expect the likes of Götze Schöle and, and Pulisic down there with Aubameyang, of course, who wants to give in his CV, more or less, <laughs> <laughs> and interview for a position. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect that much rotation outside of, of Royce and maybe Dembele. Um, but yeah, Tuchel is full of surprises, so you never yeah, know. I, I, I have a similar feeling that uh, he will stay with a back three or back five. At, at least with a with a three center backs, which I think makes a lot of sense. So you know, yeah, but it'll it'll be interesting see. if if Götze then plays just the, the same role as Castro, or maybe maybe as false nine or something. No, but <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I mean, if you have Shirley, you can play him up top more or less, like next to Aubameyang. That makes a lot of sense to me. Although you would maybe need him to help defend the wing. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> We 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 are so decisive here, but uh, that that that's maybe the problem with Thomas Tuchel. You never really know what to expect. So um, you know, we can obviously give our two cents on on the game, but in the end, but that's also the good thing thing because the opponent does neither. Yeah, keeps keeps Real Madrid guessing. Um, apart from the obvious Ronaldo and Kroos, uh, who do you think can inflict the most damage on Dortmund? Of course, is injured, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, I think he's injured. Uh, at least the last few games, Modric and Kovacic played, who were also amazing. So <laughs> it's not that much of a difference. And when you look at uh, Real Madrid's team, it just reads like an all-star team, uh, like like those all-star teams you have in the NBA or in the NFL. It just looks like one of those. So basically any one of them who has a good day can inflict uh, lots of pain, I would say. Yeah. Isco looked great lately, for example. That is true. And I think... It was Danilo in the in the first leg on the on the left side who also yeah, yeah. played exceptionally well. Yeah, but Marcelo Marcelo is back now, so yeah, he'll probably play there. <laughs> such such a relief. Yeah, it's only Marcelo, only one of the best left backs in the world. That's okay. <laughs> maybe maybe the best right now. I'm not sure. Yeah, with uh, David Alaba dipping yeah. in form. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess it's prediction time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for a one-one draw. There, I said it. Yeah, maybe Real Madrid. I want to draw, like you said. They they probably want to would like to finish second, uh, or at least it it seems the easier way. Uh, I just go for. I mean, it's a Champions League game, right? We're going to see twelve goals again, or something. No, but I I'll go for a two-two draw. All right, this is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> very similar. I read a, a, a Griezmann quote from today. I, I'm not even sure if it's real legit. I'm not sure where it came from. Just read it quickly before coming on the show, and he said, "Whenever um, Bruce Dortmund is on television, he watches it because it always has goals, and he likes goals." What's their scoreless draw this season involving Bruce Dortmund? I think not. Uh, the Derby. Oh yeah, the derby. Yeah, I already forgot the, that. We, we, we <laughs> yeah, I know. Griezmann why. didn't watch that game apparently. <laughs> I know why. Um, and he also <laughs> said, uh, Griezmann also said that his brother was invited to Dortmund once from by Aubameyang, and he loved the atmosphere and the stadium and all. That, so. Yeah, the whole thing was written by uh, Westdeutsche Allgemeine Zeitung, also known oh. as Der Westen. Okay. So it's kind of reliable. Yeah. So it's not not just pulled out of thin air. I hope. Hopefully not. Yeah, Hopefully so not. please join us. To that. <laughs> <laughs> that was for Griezmann. Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure whether it's Griezmann or his brother now. Uh, no, it wasn't. Who's also called Griezmann, I yeah. guess. I, I didn't mean the paper and I didn't mean his brother. So. 
Ja, yeah, hello and welcome to der besten Podcast. <lacht> All right, I guess we can knock it on the head, Luca. Yeah, uh, we have uh, more or less a whole hour talked about Borussia Dortmund now. I think that's enough. Especially considering there will be another show coming out this week. But in the meantime, you can tell the listeners, our beautiful listeners, where they can find you in Berlin. Uh, I mean, on the internet. <laughs> Which um, is where you are more often anyway. Yeah, but yeah, I kind of have to be in Berlin. And I want to be <laughs> on the internet, basically. That's, that's the yeah, way. you're permanently in Berlin, but <laughs> it feels like you're more often on the internet. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, it's not totally, you can be both, basically. That's what I know. I'm trying, I know. Trying, I, trying to I was yeah, just but, trying to make a point. I think people okay. know what I'm okay. trying to say here. Yeah, really rude from you. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can find uh, me on Twitter at Luca Gale and some of my rather recent articles on the Yellow Wall site. Yeah, please check them out at yellowwallpod.com, where you can also find this show if you have done already. Uh, I mean, if they're, they're probably listening to it right now, so they're probably on. I was going to say via different <laughs> outlets such oh. as iTunes and SoundCloud. Oh, Thanks we're, for we're, ruining my we're, we're ability. So, we're so modern. Look yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, I really shelled out the cash for a SoundCloud <laughs> Pro account. You know. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go, Luca. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can find my written work either on yetworldpod.com or on ESPNFC and uh, yeah until next time that was episode 164 goodbye